Welcome to Beyond the Horizon, a podcast mini-series where we chat with guests from different careers and walks of life to help us discover what lies beyond. My name is Marta Shliva, and I am so excited to be talking to Dr. Samantha Black today. Samantha is Editor-in-Chief at ScienceBoard.net, and today she will be sharing with us a little bit about her role and what it's like to work in the industry of scientific communications and writing. Thank you, Samantha, for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. I'm just going to get right into it so we can hear as much as we can in this 20-minute time. So could you briefly share with us a summary of your career journey and maybe how you learned about this job and how you went about applying for it and transitioning into this career? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I think you were breaking up there. Um, No, great. Um, So I actually um, wanted to go to vet school for the longest time. So I was at um, North Carolina State University um, studying biology wanted to go to um, vet school, um, but I needed a job. So I got a job as a research assistant in the poultry science department um, because my cousin worked there and she got me a job. So I started working there in a research lab and I just really fell in love with research. um, And I found I had a knack for it. You know, I was always a really inquisitive kid. And so um, this just allowed me to ask a lot of questions. And I just like, found it fascinating. So, um, you know, the small department, they kind of picked me up and they said, you should do your master's here. Um, so I decided to do that. I never ended up applying to vet school and the rest was history from there. Um, I decided to, to go get my master's and PhD in, um, poultry science and nutrition. So, um, I have an agriculture background. Um, and then, you know, when it came time for me to look for a job, I was like, I don't know that I want to work in the agriculture industry. Um, it's just really tough, um, you know, to, to move up a lot. And I was pretty ambitious. And so I said, you know what, where, what else can I do? What do I like to do? And so um, my parents actually live up here near Washington, D.C. And so I was like, you know what, policy seems really interesting. Um, I love advocating for science. And so I got a job at the National Postdoctoral Association um, advocating for postdocs. So um, that was a really great job. I love that organization, but they're really small. And so there was there was no upward mobility there. So I ended up getting a job um, at a company called Bioinformatics um, as a community manager. Um, and um, I started there and I got tapped um, to start writing because um, I had written a few um, engaging articles um, on on science policy just just briefly and and they said, hey, you're really you're really good at that. you know, why don't you do more of it? And so um, actually very interesting, I kind of created the role where I was at um, because they saw that it was opportunity and um, you know that that it had a good potential to to, really engage with our audience there. And so um, actually I just kind of worked up into this role. And so I got to say all of that to, to show that it's not a straight path. I kind of have done a, a Z pattern the whole, the whole entire way. Uh, and it's still continuing to figure that out. But um, yeah, that's how I ended up writing. Um, and from there, I've just kind of focused in lately on really developing our audience and and sharing science communication um, in the life sciences. That's great. I love to hear that because I feel like PhD students and postdocs 
very often need to be reassured that, you know, career journeys are very rarely a straight line and it, and it typically looks like a a sort of zigzag journey. And, and it seems like you, you had a combination of, you know, pursuing passions and interests, but also getting support at the institutions that you were at and, and getting exposure to different sorts of sorts of career paths and, and ideas. So that's so, so nice to hear. And I feel like it's going to resonate so well with a lot of our listeners. So uh, could you just tell us what a typical workday looks like for you in your role as editor-in-chief? Yeah, so this is um, really interesting. So I wake up, you know, pretty early. I wake up about five o'clock in the morning and I just immediately start scanning the news wires. So um, if anybody works in news, it's very interesting um, place. It's very different than science because I think like science you're you're always thinking and working on the exact right way that you want to say things and just it takes a long time but news is very fast-paced and so I wake up in the morning and I, I figure out what I'm covering for that day um, I have to make a lot of assignments out to freelancers and to my team um, of what I want covered and so it's a really strategic position um, where you you have to have a lot of context for what for what you want to achieve and what what your position is in the marketplace. And so, um, you know, I spend a couple hours making assignments and and doing that in the morning. Um, And then I usually transition over to internal projects, which are like writing my own stories. Um, I do a lot of interviewing. So I usually do anywhere from, you know, depending on the week two to if I'm at an event, I can do up to 10 interviews um, in one event. And so there's usually some type of, you know, drafting questions, communicating with the speakers, um, all of this kind of admin work. But it's really important that you you set up everything ahead of time and you're prepared for speaking to key leaders in the industry. And so um, there's a lot of background work with that. Um, and then throughout the day, I'm also um, receiving materials from, from other editors and my, my freelancers. And so when I do that, it comes in, gets reviewed, um, and then it gets posted onto the website. Um, and then from there, I'm also um, responsible for social media. So I wear a lot of different hats. And I think um, just quickly touching on social media, you know, it's that's really one of the most important parts that I do because that's where we reach the public. And, and so I think that I, I really spend a lot of time there crafting our messages and making sure that the science is getting communicated properly to the public. Um, and so I, I tend to spend a bit of time there and making sure that we're connecting the right types of people and the right audiences. So that's just some of the things that I do. Um, there's always other stuff that come up, but um, as you can tell, there's a, a lot of different stuff that I do. Yes, absolutely. It sounds like a very dynamic day. You, you definitely don't seem to be bored in your everyday uh, <laughs> role. And that actually segues perfectly into my next question for you. Um, what kinds of skills from graduate school were you able to utilize when transitioning into this position? And also, what do you find most useful when you're fulfilling these everyday tasks? And then maybe like a second part to that question could be, in addition to those skills that you carried over, what are new ones that you've picked up um, in your role? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think the single most helpful skill that I learned in grad school was just organization and and management. And I think people um, play that down a lot, but it is so important. I think that's in any career that you go to, like that's going to help you. So just for every student out there, like it, 
it seems kind of mindless and, you know, like it's not worth anything, but it's so valuable in the workplace. So um, I think just, you know, being organized and, and being set up for success is hugely important what I do because I'm always forward facing and I, there's always going to be stuff that I have to be able to take care of projects-based stuff. And so that's a huge benefit to me. Um, also, I'll say, um, you know, the, the idea of generating hypotheses and and generating ideas that's something especially like when you get into phd level um, study that's something you're trained to do is how to ask the right questions and how to come up with ideas and support those ideas all the way through um, well when i'm when i'm working um, on stories and and different ideas um, i think that it's really important that you understand what you're trying to where you're trying to go and where, what direction you're going, um, because it's very easy to get lost in the details. And so I think being able to think really big picture um, and, and make sure that you're connecting the right docs, dots for folks, that's that's really important. And then the last thing I'll say there um, is um, obviously comprehending really complex ideas and translating them. Um, this is probably one of the things that I have to, to do most in my jobs. And it, it's really a skill that you that you learn, but you start to learn it in grad school. Um, and I, I'll kind of segue this into something I learned as well, because it's not taught very well, I think, um, in a lot of situations in, especially in the hard sciences, um, you know, people really don't work on translating information quickly. And so, for instance, when I get a story in the morning, I have to read an entire scientific journal article and turn it into an 800 word article in about two to three hours. And that's really fast. And so being able to get the main points out of that article and be able to um, succinctly share the key highlights of that and, and implications of why it's unique, that's that's a skill. And so it's just a skill that you start to learn, but you have to practice a lot and you get better at it as time goes on. So um, that's one of the things that I've learned the most in my job. And it's been really valuable. And I think Again, it's very translatable. You don't have to be working in news or communications to to value from that skill. I think if you're, um, you know, starting a company and you're speaking to an investor, it's just as important. Or if you're working in a corporate company and you're summarizing your results, same thing. Like it's just a really important skill to have. So that's that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've heard learned or skills that I've picked up um, from working in this job and and also just the pace of what which it works um, that is that is huge for me. Um, I will say one other thing that I learned along the way this job is maybe like the importance of um, of networking. Uh, I think for a lot of grad students, um, you know, it's it's really you're taught to narrow down on, on what your, what your expertise is. And honestly, um, I don't think that's as valuable as, as in some situations, if, if you're going to be a professor, I'm sure it's great to be the, the foremost expert in that field. But if you're going into a lot of other fields, I think just networking with everybody in the community is extremely important. And you realize when you get into the real world um, and, and corporate life that 
all of these other people have such a supporting role and have such great contributions. It's not just the person at the top. And so I think just being able to talk to everybody and understand what they do um, and how they play into the greater scientific community is like hugely valuable. And that's something I've come to appreciate only since I started working. So always network. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Such amazing, amazing tips and, and advice. Um, it kind of speaks to my next question of like what um, students who are interested in taking the transition into this industry could do. And I, I feel like you hit it right on the head with, you know, networking and, and just realizing what your skills, how they can transfer to other industries and, and not pigeonholing yourself. So thank you so much for that. Um, okay. So next question, uh, what brings you meaning and fulfillment in your job role? What, what is your favorite thing? Can you tell us about, you know, what, what keeps you going and what makes you tick? Yeah, absolutely. I love this question. Um, and for me, I always say I love my job because I I learn for my job. Like I literally wake up every morning and I'm like, oh, what am I going to learn today? Like what cool science fact do I get to pick up? And so I just, as somebody who values um, information and, um, you know, staying on top of the latest science, like it is just hugely valuable to me. And um, I love just being able to stay on top of trends and just, you know, be able to um, just learn something new every day. I just think that's so cool. Um, that's, that's one of the things that I love best about my job. And, you know, what brings me fulfillment in this job is really, like I said, it's about people. And so I really love when I talk to maybe, a, oh, and if you ever read any of my stuff or my work, like, you know, I'm all about women in science. And so, um, it brings me the, the most joy when I'm able to ask the right questions. And then, you know, for instance, like, what does it mean to be a woman in science? And what does it mean to have gotten this far in your career? And then taking that message that they, that they told me that they shared with me and sharing it with the rest of the world and really inspiring other people. And that happens with science too. Um, that's just like a people side of science that I really focus on, but you know, like people spend years doing this research and, um, put their whole entire lives into it. And it's just helping to share that with other people is, is what I find a lot of, um, validation and really a lot of fulfillment in that. Great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I feel like it's so important to remember that we are all people and we have so much to bring to the table and exactly what that looks like and means is so different for everyone. And, and thank you so much for highlighting that for, for so many people that you've spoken to and written about and, and sort of, um, had, uh, speak to you. So that's very much appreciated, especially as a woman in science myself, um, in a chemistry, you know, PhD. Um, Okay, so uh, I know it's, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of different topics have come to the forefront of how we conduct, you know, our lives, our work. Um, and one of them is is work-life integration. And the reason I use that phrase is that's actually one of the ways that one of our workshop facilitators is reframing the work, the term work-life balance. So I wanted to ask, um, instead of balancing, we're going to focus on integrating work and life together. And what does work-life integration um, look like to you or mean to you? Yeah, I think it's very important. And I think, um, you know, as a, as a scientist and as 
you know, we have this shared goal of always wanting to, to be better and to help. And, you know, especially in the frame of COVID, like I know probably all of us in science, myself included, we're putting in 20 hour days in the beginning, trying to figure out, you know, how to, what to do with COVID. For me, it was covering it, keeping up with the thousands of scientific articles that were coming out and disseminating all that information. And so um, I think what that did was it shed a light on, on, you know, once we emerge from that, that we have to, to have balance there. And I, I do use that word balance because our job is important. And I think that you have to realize that you're just as important as your job. And I think that for me, I always want to honor other people's work and I want to honor the industry and what they're doing. Um, and I want to put as much of my energy into that as possible. Um, but you have to realize that taking care of yourself is just as important as taking care of your job. And so I think that's been hard. It's been hard over the last couple of years to do that, um, especially when, for me, science has you know come so much into the spotlight of, of regular media. Um, I think it's been really challenging to meet that demand. Um, but you, you, you realize, you know, that you have to give a certain amount of yourself, especially in a situation like COVID. Um, but you, you have to do that with the realization that you're going to come back later and you're going to take care of yourself. And so I think that's really important. And I think that nobody's going to do that except for you. So you just really have to be dedicated to that to that and, and take the time to do it for yourself. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I was taking notes because I feel like all of this insight is so important to hear, especially, you know, you can tell it to yourself so many times, but once you hear someone else say it, it resonates so much more. Um, well, great. So, okay. M- one last question before I go into like a little fun one is if there is one important piece of advice you could share with grad students and postdocs as they navigate their career journey. So it's not necessarily only that transition, but their whole journey what would it be? This is a tough question. Um, I, I'm going to say, um, just remain authentic to yourself. Um, I think that it's important to just be yourself, um, you know, and just pursue with 100% of your energy, what you want to do, because there's going to be a lot of noise and, and um, the best advice that, you know, some of my colleagues have given to me is um, only do things that are going to be in your resume or in your TED talk. So, you know, the rest of it, just like, let it go off of your shoulders and just 100% pursue yourself and, and just stay true to yourself. I think you can never go wrong with that attitude and that mentality. I love it. Cut out the noise. It's a great piece of advice. Okay. And I, I love always ending at whether it's a moderated panel or sort of a discussion like this with a fun question. So, um, and I never tell my guests what it is so that they don't have a chance to think about it. It's very off the cuff and, and genuine. If you could be anything else in the world besides being editor in chief, what would you be? Oh, that's so tough. Um, I'm kind of a, um, a big thinker. And so I always like, I'm like always the person that's like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. So I think, um, you know, I'm going to have to stay true to myself and, um, and just say like, if I had to do it again, I might, I might end up being a vet because that's what I wanted to be when I was a little girl. So there's still a part of me that's always like, oh, maybe I can still do it. So I think, um, you know, 
that that's true to myself. And maybe, you know, in a different life, maybe, maybe that'll happen for me still. I don't know, probably not, but um, you know, maybe, maybe you never know. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's very fair. And that this is why I don't share the question before, because I want as genuine of an answer as I can get, but thank you for sharing that. I love it. Um, I, sometimes I, I think that I would want to be a veter- veterinarian if I could go back and do it again, because I just love the animals, but I, I know there's a lot more to it than just, you know, hanging out with animals. Okay. So um, thank you again for such a fantastic conversation. We are so sure that our listeners would agree that the practical advice you shared today was so helpful. And as we all go on and think about what it means to have a fulfilling career. With that, uh, thank you, Samantha, for your time. This, again, is Beyond the Horizons, a podcast miniseries and a place to discover what lies beyond the horizon. Thank you, Barda. 